We are back. And in this hour, we're talking about Hulu's new series, The Other Black Girl, pop culture contributor and DEI expert, Jess Lee, who's written two articles about the series, is joining us as well as our favorite film critic, Reggie Ponder. So Jess, I want to read something. Uh, This is uh, how one of your articles on The Other Black Girl starts. Uh, you say the other black girl whose new series based on the best-selling book by Zakiya Harris is an important addition to the streamer's arsenal as a show that centers on the hostile environments that black women can face in the workplace. It's a near universal experience for many black women and is finally being represented on screen. But when the show takes a turn and reveals the main villain to be another Black woman perpetrating violence against her own community, the show falls short, creating a world where Black women are pitted against each other. You go on to say, as a Black woman who has often been the only in workplace settings, the experiences that Nella, who is the main character, has are not like yours. You say, unlike Nella, you have always uh, been supported or lifted up. You say Black colleagues have always lifted you up uh, rather than keeping you down. Okay, uh, so you did not, you like the story, you like the premise of the story, you like that this the series is exposing the issues that Black women face in the workplace, but tell us what you had a problem with. It seems like you did not like the villain and how these women were pitted against each other. Yeah, thank you so much, Ariva. Um, you know, there was, like you said, there was a lot to really enjoy. Um, I read the book back when it came out in 2021, and I think so much of it resonated with my own experiences. But where I end up getting frustrated and where I wish that the show had kind of pivoted a little bit um, was I wish that there was an opportunity to show more about how Black women can do so much and can succeed and survive in an oftentimes really misogynistic and racist environment by working together. And I think by having the main villain be another Black woman, although sometimes that can be the case that we're pitted against each other and we kind of work to undermine each other, I think it ultimately does a disservice to those experiences and those communities that Black women have built to really try and push back against and challenge and break apart these really horrific systems of oppression that people experience in the workplace. Um, So it was one of those kind of complex experiences for me. I really enjoyed a lot of it, um, but there were parts of it that just really frustrated me. Yeah. So Reggie, I know from my interview uh, with Ms. Harris that a a part of what she wanted to do in the book uh, is really cause people to think about the kinds of things we do in the workplace, like code switching, assimilating, uh, you know, changing our dress, changing our hair and really asking the question, is it worth it? You know, is success, uh, you know, whatever you define as success, is it worth it to change those attributes or those you know, parts of your personality uh, in pursuit of success. And and that's kind of one of the themes that's played out in the book. Uh, What do you make of the series and and dealing with that question? Do you think that question comes through uh, in the series? And, you know, what what might the main character say about that question? Yeah, I... So first, I really understand where Jess com- is coming from. I, I have a, a slightly different take on it, though. Uh, and my, my my take is is that 
because that does happen in the workplace where we have this syndrome of where we call the only black syndrome. And, and when we look at the only black syndrome, I, I'm not going to answer your question directly, Aviva. I'm sorry, because I, 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 I often do that. Um, but, but when we look at the only black syndrome, we look at the uh, black person who's there as a token and means well. We see the black person who's there who's a token and doesn't have any power or, or doesn't have a budget. We see the black person who's only who only wants to be the authority and likes it when they're the only person that everybody comes to and asks the question to. So, so since there is this reality of the black, the only black syndrome, I don't see this as being unrealistic. I can see as where where Jess says that it might do a disservice to women who help each other because that's a reality as well. That's absolutely a reality. But in Hollywood, we hear this all the time about how we're pitted against each other. Women, black women talk about this all the time. I see this in my interviews, how they're pitted against each other in interviews, how they've undermined each other, like who's gonna get the who's gonna get the job and so on and so forth. So that's a reality. And I I thought it was very clever how she did this and and to get to your question, I thought it was clever that she was really not talking to white people. She was really talking to black people saying, you know what, what at what cost will you do what these white people uh, prescribe, so to speak, mm -hmm. for you to do? Think about where you want to where you want to play in that way. So to answer your question, I think that that was the 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 thing that she was really trying to do there. So other people might be looking at it and not understanding it, but I think from from for black folks that that was the question that she was asking. Do you agree with that, Jess, that she was talking more to black folks and trying to get black folks to think, you know, be introspective about how we often go into these environments and do, you know, change ourselves. We do wear a mask. We do, you know, try to assimilate or, or do you think she was really talking to white people saying, look at all the things that we have to go through in order to try to be accepted by a larger, you know, more dominant culture in the workplace? Right. I, I think in certain times it was both. Um, you know, I think about in in one of the episodes, uh, Hazel, it's Hazel's kind of backstory of when she kind of started working as a conditioner. And she makes the comment to Diane that she had to Google Black Lives Matter because she couldn't remember it. And I feel like that felt like a, an immediate kind of call out to other Black women. Um, it was kind of like snarky. It was kind of funny. Um, I personally like laughed out loud because I was like, wow, that's hilarious and also absolutely unrealistic, but also kind of realistic in terms of the way that you code switch so much that that's what becomes your real life. Um, but I still feel like whiteness was centered so much in it. And I think it was like, a, here are all the difficult things that we experience. And here's the ways that we can undermine each other. And here's the ways that we struggle consistently as a, as a way to kind of put it out and show it to white people that this stuff happens. Um, and well, hold on, let me, let me understand you, Jess. When you say you, you felt like whiteness was centered, explain that more because I'm not sure I understand you. Yeah, I, I think that whiteness was centered in the fact that everything that Diana was doing was to succeed in what is looked at as success from a white person's perspective. Um, mm -hmm. So she's ultimately saying, this is what you have to do to have success. But who is saying what success is? The world that we're in, which is ultimately created and crafted with whiteness in mind and with whiteners, whiteness as normal, like normalized, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that is the way that she's centering that 
whiteness and saying, this is what you have to do to be successful. Now, I think the kind of alternate flip of it is that Nella does really spend a lot more in the TV show than in the book, really pushing back against it. The way that the show ends, the book does not end that way, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that was one thing that they did that I absolutely loved because it showed that Nella is surrounded by especially her best friend. Her best friend really rocked in this entire show in a way that I think didn't come across as strongly in the book. Um, And it really highlighted that community that she had in a super positive way. Um, But without that, I think you really end up seeing that this whiteness is on display as this is what you need to do in, in order to be successful. And I think what it can, what it might show watchers and viewers is that you have to do all of these things. And yes, you might have to undermine people who look like you or have similar experiences, but that's ultimately the game that you got to play. And I think that there could have been a different way that they did it where they show that this might be what we have to do, but ultimately we we don't. We can break down those barriers and we can fight it from the inside um, or we can fight it from the outside. Um, I think also uh, the Shani storyline, I think, was really interesting as well. Um, The woman who was part of that kind of resistance group, they could have really dove into the resistance group so much more and highlighted that, yes, there is this community of Black women who are trying to push back. I think without doing that, you again center this whiteness as a thing that you need to do to succeed. You need to speak this way. You need to dress this way. You need to have your hair look this certain way in order to be successful in this in this world, um, which can be a little bit frustrating. So, so I'm going to have Reggie respond to that, but I, I do want to ask you just, did you feel like they were like saying to white people, you know, we get it. We know what we need to do. And even though we don't like it, we'll do it because Reggie said he thought the, that the series is talking to black people, causing us to think about what we have to do and decide if we really want to do that to achieve success. But you you saw that differently. So do you think in centering whiteness, it was like, you know, kind of kowtowing to 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 white a white audience? Are saying to white people, you're right that these are things that are important and, and we better get on the, you know, get with the program. I don't necessarily think it went that far. Um, I think that sometimes, again, I think it really towed the line. I think there were certain instances where um, she was really, the show as a whole was really speaking to Black women. But I think there were instances where it was saying, sometimes you got to do, you got to do, you got to play the game. And I think it was saying that to white people as a the game isn't really that bad some instances, right? Oh, like okay. success can, if success is the bottom line, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and it didn't necessarily look to me as if the system was the problem. It looked to me as if the individual was the problem. Um, and I think that kind of is the way that it ultimately might be centering whiteness and talking to white people. And what do you think about that, Reggie? Did you feel that sense about whiteness being centered? Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> I think that that the whole thing is centered around whiteness. I but I still think that they're talking to black people as to how how are we going to respond to that whiteness? How are you in that system? And and Jess just said something that I that I uh, I, I wrote down about. Uh, so how are you? How do you see the world? Do you see it that we should fight the system at our own peril? Because that's a question that is asked there. Mm-hmm. Fighting the system at our own peril. Or should we try to incrementally change the system, understanding that we have to make sacrifices? There's a quote in the 
in in one of them saying that sacrifices, you know, you have to do these sacrifices. And she talks to her about why these sacrifices are are made. She said, well, you've already done some sacrificing. So here's some sacrificing there. Or should, and it asks, should we minimize our pain and try to enjoy life, understanding that there are some sacrifices that have to be made? We we have this discussion all the time, Ariva, you and I, about Black pain. And and the movies that come about about black pain. This this series actually makes a real statement about black pain. Should we have that wear that as a uh, a rite of passage, or should we kind of get past that so that we can get to that living part of our life that we're carrying that pain with us at all times? I think absolutely it centers whiteness because it's sh- trying to show what people have to do to to. Um, to succeed in this white uh, dominated world. But I think what Jess is saying that sometimes in centering whiteness, it's validating that these are the right things to do and it's not that hard. And that message could be saying to some folks that aren't doing it, like you guys, you know, uh, are somehow, you know, lacking or sitting down on the job because it's really not that complicated. But one thing I want to ask you, Reggie, so this, this, the book comes out in 21. And this book was one of many books, as we know, that came out of the George Floyd murder, the effort on the parts of publishing companies to, you know, center more diverse voices. We know hundreds of people. I, I spent that whole year interviewing lots of folks who had books who didn't have your traditional platforms, who, you know, were not the kind of authors that would have in other times even gotten a mainstream publishing deal, less known a publishing deal with, you know, a series that, you know, book that goes to series so quickly. So do you think there's anything about that period? Cause this follows that period. This is coming out. This is all happening very rapidly you know, after the May 20th murder of George Floyd in this kind of racial reckoning period where Hollywood was acknowledging Black folks and, you know, talking about diversity more and, and trying to uh, address some of the disparities that we know this industry has had forever. Uh, what might that period have to do with how the story is told in the series? Yeah, I, so so it's interesting because the the book that's at the center in this series is and it, it's about the ending. What what happens to the ending of that book? That there had to be this compromise about this ending, which was totally different. And so there, you you said a little earlier in our in our discussion uh, before we got on that there aren't any movies out. Well, there's a movie coming out called American Fiction, and it stars Jeffrey Wright, and it directly. Uh, tackles this issue. Okay, you're going to hold that thought and tell us about this movie because I love Jeffrey Wright. Uh, So when we come forward, we're going to continue this conversation about what the the racial reckoning period in this country, uh, what impact that might have had on this series, The Other Black Girl. And uh, we're going to hear about a new movie that's coming out that stars Jeffrey Wright. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and in this hour, I'm joined by our favorite film critic, Reggie Ponder, and DEI expert, pop culture contributor, Jess Lee. Now, we're talking about the new Hulu series, The Other Black Girl, which is based on a very, very popular New York Times bestselling book called The Other Black Girl, which was uh, written by... Zakaya Harris came out in 2021. 
And Reggie, you were telling us about this new film coming out. I think it comes out in December starring uh, Jeffrey Wright. So tell us about his movie and how it relates to the other Black girl. So I'm going to do something that I never do is I'm going to answer your question first and get back to the book. So your question was about whether the George Floyd period had anything to do with, with this. And uh, the uh, Jess works in DE&I and I work in DE&I as well. And we know that there's a, was a major uptick of people saying, hey, let's try to do something here. Let's try to do something there. So we know that that permeated every industry that there is. So the answer to that would be absolutely yes. I don't know if it impacted this particular book, but absolutely that during that time, more projects were being picked up, more sensitivity to uh, African-American specific types of product uh, projects. So the answer to that is yes. The, way, the reason I brought up the Jeffrey Wright book is that this uh, this series actually tackles one of the issues uh, that the Jeffrey Wright uh, project, uh, American Fiction, tries to tackle, which is who controls what books are published and what's in those books. And so Jeffrey Wright stars as a as a uh, professor who has been writing some books and his books are not successful. He goes to a conference and in his conference, there's people out there in the audience but there's like only 10. And he's wondering why on his panel, he asked a guy on his panel, why are only so few people here watching, watch, listening to us? And he says, well, it's that other woman, the other woman's book. And the other woman is Issa Rae. And Issa Rae has a book out that goes something like this. Yo, what's up, my nigga? You know he, we how we do it. This is what we... And that's the kind of book that's sold and it's a bestseller. Jeffrey Wright is enraged. He's upset about that. And so it's a real tale about what does he do about that? Does he sell out and write a book like that? Uh, how does he survive in the industry and so on and so forth? So it has some real uh, connection to the series in, in that way, because it, it I think it might get lost on people because of the conflict between the black women, that it might get lost on people in this in this series, that it really is about what was sacrificed in the beginning to get that book published. And it was not the ending that the author had uh, originated. Right. Very good point. And that American fiction story, again, based off of a very popular novel, uh, does find Jeffrey Wright wrestling with what Hollywood finds acceptable, what Hollywood can commercialize. And he ends up writing this spoof uh, instead of pathology is pathology and where he's using every black cliche he can come up with. And again, the book is wildly successful and Hollywood comes calling and he's deeply torn by that. Uh, Jess, this is such a real issue. And I'm sorry, let me correct myself. You're not a DEI, but you're a DEIB expert. And maybe you can tell us what the B stands for. But, uh, you know, what What are you seeing people do in this in these real life situations? Because there are no easy answers to this. And, you know, th there's no right or wrong way to do it. Many people, uh, this has come up right now in this Israeli-Palestinian crisis. We're seeing students who are being doxxed and punished for statements that they are making. 
in support of the Palestinians and students having to make decisions about, do you speak your truths? Do you speak what you believe? If it might cause you a job on Wall Street, if it might cause you uh, the CAA, I'm sure you saw that, uh, Reggie, the, the agent who had to step away from her leadership role at CAA, one of the Jewish uh, big A-listers left the agency, he said. So this this is like real stuff that happens every day in so many different uh, arenas. So uh, what are you feeling about this, Jess? And, and please tell us what the B is, D-E-I-B is. Yeah, sure. So the B is belonging, um, which oftentimes just is a little bit more nuanced around inclusion. And so you can have someone who feels included and might feel supported, but they don't actually necessarily feel belonging at an organization or in a space or on a team. And so the belonging sometimes is something that is brought out into a conversation very explicitly so that people can feel included as well as feel like they belong in whatever space that they're in. Um, and so to answer your other question about um, kind of what I've seen, and, and I'll talk a little bit about my own experiences as well. Um, I have experiences in higher education and nonprofits and in corporate, um, and they all have had their own challenges. And when I first started, I definitely feel like I resonated with a lot that happens in this book, in this show. And I felt like I had to have this survivor mentality, right? I have to do what I have to do in order to succeed, in order to work up that like ladder, in order to get that money that I need, right? Pay off my student loans. Like I have to do what I have to do. And it wasn't until that I started my own anti-racism journey and really understanding institutionalized racism and oppression that I realized that I could do so much more with other people, with them together in community, supporting me, um, making sure that they were checking me if I was getting a little bit too, you know, like Hazel, um, right? So I needed to make sure that I had that community that's really important. Um, but at the same time, once you kind of bring that awareness, once you build that awareness, you can't really let it go, right? So it's in every single interaction you have. It's in every single conversation. It's every single snide remark, every single microaggression. It's really hard and they can build and build and build. And that trauma is real. Those microaggressions oftentimes are really macroaggressions, right? And they significantly can impact the way that you or I or anybody is experiencing the workplace. Um, and that's kind of the struggle, I think, that is coming into fruition now as well, um, I am actually went back to rereading Angela Davis's Freedom is a Constant Struggle, um, where she talks about Palestine, she talks about Ferguson, and she talks about how you are finding a movement. Um, and I think one of the things that I keep trying to come back to is that you can't continue fighting consistently over and over and over and over again by yourself. And you can't do it without having some kind of rest or recharge. And I wish that that was highlighted in the show a little bit more as well, right? The importance of that rest, recharge, and community. Because as Reggie said, you're going to continue pulling pieces of yourself away, whether you are trying to fit in and assimilate or you're trying to fight back and dismantle. And either of those situations, you are becoming less of yourself or you are becoming burdened under the weight of whatever trauma you're consisting you're continually experiencing and you need to be able to rest and recharge and find that community in order to have it be a long run and a long marathon instead of it being a short sprint that you ultimately get exhausted by and burnt out um, and so that's what I try and center myself on consistently making sure that I have that community that I have those other black women who are experiencing these same things and that we continue to support and uplift each other and that's the stuff that 
I really wanted to continue seeing in the show. But Jess, have you had experiences like Reggie talked about? And I think most of us, you know, been in many workplaces have had where it is the other black person that is, you know, I won't use the word villain, but it is the other black person that may be sabotaging or undermining your efforts. Other black person. And since we're talking about black women, another black woman or black women, plural. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. I haven't had black women. I've had women of color for sure. Um, But where I've worked, there's always been so few black women um, (laughs) that I think we just kind of, we had to gather together. We had to work together. And I also think that many of us were going through that anti-racism journey together. And so we were able to challenge each other and check each other and be like, Hey girl, like, you know what I mean? You got to pull it back a little bit because you're getting a little wild. And that's, I think that's also really important. Um, I have definitely had other women of color who ultimately were playing the game and they were playing the game hard and either you were with them or you were against them and they like they'd run right over you if you were against them. Um, And I always I think especially of my most recent nonprofit, I always had women behind me, black women who were in the same space, who were supportive and were really pushing as hard as possible. Um, And so I think I've been lucky in that way because that experience I know is not everyone's. Um, I hope I continue having those experiences moving forward for sure. Uh, yeah, you are lucky. Uh, Reggie and I are probably, I can't, uh, I don't know anything about your biological age. I would venture <laughs> to say Reggie and I though, are a little older and we've had uh, a wider gambit of experiences <laughs> and not all as positive as yours. Uh, but uh, that's for another show. When we come forward, I want to talk about the, the issue of hair because hair is centered in this book in a significant way. And Uh, Hair is always a touchy subject when you're talking about Black women and our hair. Uh, Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. We are back and we're talking about the Hulu series, The Other Black Girl. And Jess, you wrote The Other Black Girl Centers Black Women, Hair Care, and the Never-Ending Struggle to Combat Racism in the Workplace. But does it do a disservice to Black women and the communities built around hair. Reggie, you are not a black woman and you don't have black woman hair issues, but you did watch the series and you are a film critic. So what do you think? Uh, Just ask the question, uh, does the other black girl, the series do a disservice to black women and the communities built around hair? What's your thought about that? It, it may, it may. I, I, it, it, like you just said, I'm, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to it from, <laughs> from a female perspective, even though I have six uh, six sisters, two daughters, a wife, a mother-in-law, you know. Whatever. Oh, well, you, you're a pro, pro. You talk about Black women's hair. But, You've been around I, it but, all your but life. I, I can't <laughs> say uh, if it does a disservice, uh, but I can see how it might. But what I'll say is that why I know India Irie says I am not my hair, um, the, the hair for, for us Black people is so important that I thought it was actually kind of clever how they did that. Uh, if you look at the movie, uh, I um, who I, uh, they clone Tyrone, they <laughs> they they use a, a, a something similar in there because uh, it's really about how do we control people. That's what the message is that they're trying to say, and that one of those ways in which we are trying to control people is through through their hair and. There's a lot of discussion, uh, has been a lot of discussion for years, for the last 20 years about natural hair versus chemicals in your hair and so on and so forth. So I think that they 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 do a play on that to say that you you're changing the way in which you look 
So you goes back to what Jess was saying in terms of centering whiteness. You're changing the way in which you look to to fit in and so on and so forth. So we know that hair is important to you. And what we're going to do is we're going to use that so we can control you similar to what happened and the, they they uh, cloned Tyrone. No, that, that was a really, that's a, that's a deep movie too. I had to watch it twice, I think, to really understand it. Uh, Jess, so you posed the question in one of your articles you wrote about the other black girl about doing a disservice to black women. Uh, what do you, where do you come down on that question? Yeah, no, and I, I really appreciate what you said, Reggie, about how they're uh, kind of pivoting that and saying, like you said, that we understand how important this is. And so we're going to use that. Um, where I think it does a disservice is there's a piece in one of the episodes where Nella is talking about pain and that pain um, is who we are, but doesn't have to define us. Right. Um, and I do think that there's a lot connected to black women and hair care that's wrapped around pain. There's a lot connected to black women and hair in the workplace that's wrapped around pain. And I think this comes back to some of my points earlier in that. Um, the use of control for sure is realistic and um, it's an interesting way to kind of pivot around this conversation. But when you do it centered around undermining that community, centering around undermining the community that Black women are building around hair, I think it does a disservice to that community. Um, when you think about the kind of little parts that were in the show where um, yeah, the friends are doing each other's hair or they're saying, oh, you know, why would you put that in your hair? You don't just put anything in your hair. Those pieces really shown to me because it felt so realistic. But ultimately, when you have the vehicle for toning down, tampering down, down um, and really, uh, you know, stripping away black women being a hair care product. Um, I think it's it's frustrating because that community can be so beautiful and that community can be one that really uplifts and supports each other. And so that's where I think it does a disservice. Now, I 100% agree with you, Reggie, that I think the connections between that and they clone Tyrone um, are very, very intriguing with the way that it's used, right? Um, and it's essentially saying, we understand, I think especially in they clone Tyrone, we understand that hair is important to you and hair care is important to you. So we're going to slip this in here really subtly. And when I say we, I mean white people. We're going to slip this here really subtly and then we're going to use it to control you. I think the other Black girl making it be Black women who do that is so frustrating because as black women, we know the experience. We know the frustration of having people make comments or um, say things about our hair in the workplace. We know the experience of sitting down in a salon chair for hours. We know that pain. So then to use it against us and someone in part of the community using it against us, that just felt like such deep frustration and such deep pain in a way that they clone Tyrone wasn't, right? Um, and so I 100% I hear what you're saying, Reggie. And I think that that, that disservice is by minimizing and really undermining that Black women community around hair care um, makes it a little bit less shiny than what that community and that experience can actually be. So Reggie, the, the series makes you think that this white guy is going to be the villain. And then the plot twist is that it's not the white guy. Do you think that, you know, how would this series have been different? And the meaning of it in particular, had the villain been the white guy that everyone maybe thought and was rooting and hoping was, was the villain? It, it, it would have been, it would have been totally different. And I don't, I think it would have hit different. It would have hit different for, for, for me. Because again, I don't think that the, I, I think that it's actually essential for the, that black group of women to be trying to change these other women. The, the, 
the toughest interview I've ever had in my life was from another black person. And that person said to me, the reason he was hard on me was because he had to make sure that I was like better than better, better than good. So was putting all those expectations on me. How does that relate to this? Is that these people actually believe that the way in which to move uh, up the ladder is this way. This is the way to do it. So not that I'm the villain, I'm actually saving these people. Now, I think that it, uh, that's that's what I believe that, that, that they're trying to show in this, in this film. I am saving these people from living in that pain, from not understanding how the system is. I am protecting them by doing this. But if they keep doing what they're doing, they'll never, ever realize their potential. I'm not saying that's right, but that's a, I believe that there are a lot of people out there who believe, um, uh, who believe that is that I'm going to make it as hard for you as possible because the other people aren't going to make it easy for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have what your friends uh, just said about the series? Like what, what kind of, I was just doing a quick Google search myself to see, you know, what some folks were saying about it. What are you hearing about the series? Yeah. So uh, I, I think that the series is definitely a cause for a lot of really complex conversations like we're having right now. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who feel similarly to both of us, right? Some people I think really are on the side more of Reggie and some are on the side more of me, but with there's some kind of in between as well. Um, I'm actually seeing a lot of similarities in uh, conversation, particularly within the book world. Um, As a book influencer on social media, on Instagram and TikTok, um, especially Black women who are also book influencers, were frustrated with the book and they're frustrated with the TV show. Mm. I think as a whole, we all, you know, in the most part, I think that ending and that that switch to the ending of, of Nella really saying, hey, I'm going to break this down and burn it down from the inside was a, a welcome switch from the book. But there were still a lot of those similar frustrations that, um, you know, it could have really built off of some of the kind of plot holes and some of the frustrating pieces within the book and tighten those up in the show a little bit. And it didn't. Um, and I think that for many of the other Black women that I've talked to who also have really strong feelings around hair, really strong feelings around their own experiences in the workplace, there were some similar frustrations about the way that it was portrayed um, and the way that we could have had this really great story of women, Black women uplifting each other, and we didn't get that. Um, now, I also want to just go back to Reggie's point about it hit, hitting different if, you know, super racist Richard Wagner was the was the bad baddie. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree with you 100%. I think it would have been the same old, same old. And so the plot twist, although something that frustrated me, I think that it could, for many people who didn't read the book, um, feel like a welcome plot twist, right? An interesting way to look at some of those interdimensional dynamics of the Black women community. Um, so I, I agree with Reggie's point 100% there. The last, thing, about- I wanted, the last thing I just want to say, because I know we got to get to break here, is that this is our our, the, our problem again, Ariva, about having too few stories, is that when we have mm-hmm. these stories, we want to make them everything that we want to make them. So they can't live by themselves. They can't breathe by themselves. They can't have validity by themselves because we want to make them something else. So that's the reason we need to have a wider range of films so that people won't be so frustrated about, I wish that film had done this. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's an excellent point, and you and I talk about that a lot. Uh, you know, every we're heaping everything onto one project, one movie, one series, one uh, episode. In some cases, uh, what are you hearing though, real quickly, 
Reggie, from your film critic friends? Is this thumbs up, thumbs down? I, I think that it's a thumbs up in terms of watching it. I think that uh, Jess is absolutely correct in terms of the frustration. That there's there's frustration all around about how come this character didn't do this and why didn't this character do that? And, and I think we're going to continue to have that for the next 40 years or so because we're looking for a wider palette of films and perspectives and all that other type of stuff. So I think it's people are, I read Jess's article and I felt like she said, watch it, but you might be frustrated. Right. <laughs> all right. We're out of time real quickly. Uh, where can people follow you Jess? If they want to continue uh, to get some of your brilliant analysis. Awesome. Yeah. So as I said, I'm a book influencer on Instagram and TikTok. So you can follow me at Literary Intersections. Um, I also have a consulting group and that's Intersectional Impact. Um, and so I am available for consulting and speaking opportunities. Um, and I also do beta reading for authors and I do interviews for authors as well to uh, really review and, and hype up their books. So Literary Intersections is where you can mostly find me. All right, Reggie Ponder. You can find him on radio in Chicago. You can find him right here on KBLA Talk Radio. We are out of time. Next voice that you hear will be Robin Ayers and the Raw Report. Stay with us.